section ninety three of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world's story volume twelve the united states edited by eva march tappan section ninety three how the women brought water to bryan's station seventeen eighty two by cyrus townsend brady there had been terrible doings on the frontier during the spring and summer of seventeen eighty two the british and indians had made raid after raid through the land two years before a certain colonel william bird of westover virginia a tory who seems to have been a gentleman and a soldier led some eight hundred indians with a detachment of soldiers and some artillery into kentucky none of the forts was proof against artillery nor was there any in the territory except that in the possession of george rogers clark which was not available two stations martins and ruddles were attacked in succession and easily captured their garrisons and inhabitants were murdered and tortured with shocking barbarity it is to the eternal credit of colonel bird that finding himself unable to control the indians he abandoned his expedition and withdrew otherwise the whole land would have been desolated the bulk of the invading indians were wyandots who were easily first among the savages of the northwest for ferocious valor and military skill the opposing forces being exactly equal a detachment of them defeated a certain captain Estill by a series of brilliant military manoeuvres which would have done credit to a great captain being indeed upon a small scale napoleonic in their conception and execution two years after bird had withdrawn william campbell and alexander mckee notorious renegades with the infamous simon girty whose name has been a hissing and a byword ever since he lived led a formidable war-party consisting of a few canadians and four hundred indians into kentucky the first place they attacked was bryan's station another place called hoy's station was menaced by a different party of indians and express messengers had ridden to bryan's station to seek aid which the settlers were ready to grant the american party was being made up to go to hoy's station early in the morning of the sixteenth of august seventeen eighty two when as they approached the gate to ride out of it a party of indians was discovered on the edge of the woods in full view the party was small in number comparatively speaking yet its members exposed themselves out of rifle range of course with such careless indifference to consequences or to a possible attack as inevitably to suggest to the mind of captain john craig who commanded the fort at the time that they were desirous of attracting the attention of the garrison in the hope that their small numbers might induce the men of the station to leave the fort and pursue them craig was an old indian fighter who had been trained in daniel boone's own school he was suspicious of any manoeuvre of that kind checking the departure of the relief party he called his brother and the principal men of the station into a council and they concluded at once that the demonstration in the front of the fort was a mere feint that the indians were anxious to be pursued and that the main attack would come from the other direction the surmise was correct with cunning adroitness campbell had massed the main body of his forces in the woods back of the fort with strict instructions for them to remain concealed and not show themselves on any account until they heard the fire coming from the front of the station which would convince them that their ruse had succeeded then they were to break from cover and rush for the back wall of the fort which they supposed would be undefended scale it and have the little garrison at their mercy it so happened that the spring from which the fort got its water supply lay within a short distance of the main body concealed in the thick woods which surrounded the clearing with the fort in the centre 
the situation was perfectly plain to craig and his men they determined to meet ruse with ruse and if possible to defeat the indians at their own game before they could do anything however they must have a supply of water on that hot august day life in that stockade especially when engaged in furious battle would become unsupportable without water only the ordinary amount sufficient for the night had been brought in the day before the receptacles were now empty after swift deliberations the commandant turned to the women and children crowded around the officers and explained the situation plainly to them he proposed that the women and children who were large enough to carry water should go down to the spring with every vessel they could carry and bring back the water upon which their lives depended he also explained to them that the spring was probably covered by concealed masses of the enemy who were waiting for the success of the demonstration in front of the fort to begin the attack he said further that it was the opinion of those in command that if the women would go to the spring as they did under ordinary circumstances as was their custom every morning that is the indians would not molest them not being desirous of breaking up the plan by which they hoped to take the fort and have everything at their mercy the men in the fort would cover the women with their rifles so far as they could it would be impossible for them to go and get water as it was not the habit of the men to do that the unusual proceeding would awaken the suspicions of the indians and the men would be shot down in the fort and all its inmates would be at the mercy of the savages every woman there was able to see the situation the theory upon which they were proceeding might be all wrong the indians might be satisfied with the certainty of capturing the women thus presented and the women and children might be taken away under the very eyes of the helpless men on the other hand it was probable though by no means certain that craig's reasoning was correct and that the indians would not discover themselves and the women and children would be allowed to return unmolested still nobody could tell what the indians would do and the situation was a terrible one capture at the very best meant death by torture the women in the fort had not lived on the frontier in vain they realized the dilemma instantly a shudder of terror and apprehension went through the crowd what would they do they must have the water the men could not get it the women did mrs jemima suggett johnson the wife of an intrepid pioneer and the daughter and sister of others instantly volunteered for the task she was the mother of five little children and her husband happened to be away in virginia at the time leaving her two little boys and her daughter sally to look after the baby in his dugout cradle she offered to go for the water this baby was that richard mentor johnson who afterward became so celebrated at the battle of the thames where tecumseh was killed and who was subsequently vice-president of the united states taking her little daughter betsy aged ten her eldest child by the hand the fearless woman headed a little band of twelve women and sixteen children who had agreed to follow where she led among them were the wives and children of the craig brothers the little ones carried wooden piggins and the women noggins and buckets the piggin was a small bucket with one upright stay for a handle a large wooden dipper as it were while the larger noggin had two upright staves for handles carefully avoiding any suspicious demonstration of force on the part of his men captain craig opened the gate and the women marched out chatting and laughing in spite of the fact that they were nearly perishing from apprehension and terror they tramped down the hill to the spring near the creek some sixty yards away with as much coolness and indifference as they could muster it was indeed a fearful moment for the women and no wonder that some of the younger ones and the older children found it difficult to control their agitation but the composed manner of those valiant and heroic matrons like mrs johnson somewhat reassured the others and completely deluded the indians probably the younger children did not realize their frightful danger and their unconsciousness helped to deceive the foes in ambush it took some time to fill the various receptacles from the small spring but by the direction of mrs johnson no one left the vicinity until all were ready to return this little party then marched deliberately back to the fort as they had come 
not a shot was fired the indians concealed within a stone's throw in the underbrush had looked at them with covetous eyes but such was the unwonted discipline in which they were held that they refrained from betraying themselves in the hope of afterward carrying out their stratagem as they neared the gate some of the younger ones broke into a run crowding into the door of the stockade which never looked so hospitable as on that sunny summer morning and some of the precious water was spilled but most of it was carried safe into the enclosure with what feelings of relief the fifty-odd men in the station saw their wives and children come back again can scarcely be imagined dispatching two daring men on horseback to break through the besiegers and rouse the country craig immediately laid a trap for the indians selecting a small body he sent them out to the front of the fort to engage the indians there instructing them to make as much noise and confusion as possible then he posted the main body of his men at the loopholes back of the fort instructing them not to make a move nor fire a gun until he gave the order the ruse was completely successful deceived by the hullabaloo in front the indians in the rear imagining that their plan had succeeded broke from cover and instantly dashed up to the stockade shouting their war cries and expecting an easy victory what was their surprise to find it suddenly bristling with rifles as craig and his men poured a steady withering fire into the mass crowded before them fairly decimating them they ran back instantly and concealment being at an end returned the fire ineffectually immediately thereafter from every side a furious fire from four hundred rifles burst upon the defenders all day long the siege was maintained once in a while a bullet ploughing through a crevice in the stockade struck down one of the brave garrison but the casualties in the station were very few on the other hand when an indian exposed himself he was sure to be killed by a shot from some unerring rifle one or two indians climbed a tree seeking to command the fort therefrom but they were quickly detected and shot before they had time to descend at last they attempted to burn the fort by shooting flaming arrows up in the air to fall perpendicularly upon the buildings the children the little boys that is and some of the older girls were lifted up on the inclined roofs where they were safe from direct rifle fire though in imminent danger of being pierced by the dropping arrows with instructions to put out the fires as fast as the arrows kindled them which they succeeded in doing meanwhile the women were busy moulding bullets and loading rifles for the men and many of them took their places on the walls and aided in the defence the mothers of our forest land their bosoms pillowed men and proud were they by such to stand in hammock fort or glen to load the sure old rifle to run the leaden ball to watch a battling husband's place and fill it should he fall finding their efforts unavailing the indians ravaged the surrounding country they killed all the cattle belonging to the pioneers burned and destroyed the fields of grain and turned the environment into a bloody desert in the afternoon a succoring party from boone's station appeared but without boone for he was absent at the time and succeeded in entering the fort End of section ninety three this recording is in the public domain